part of the Lord calling us into his dream for our lives is a, that continual process of sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ. It's that continual process of surrendering our lives again on the place where the Lord is restoring and healing. It's a soulish area of our lives, a soulish area of our lives that needs to continually be brought to the cross so that the Lord can heal. He wants to take our hearts of flesh or hearts of stone and make them hearts of flesh. He, he wants to continue to bring us to further and further freedom, but it's a bit scary at times because when we bring our woundedness and our brokenness to the Lord, it takes faith and it takes willingness and it takes, Lord, here I am again. Welcome to the Resurgence Messages podcast. We gather and minister regularly for the purpose of reaching people, reviving churches, and releasing leaders. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you to arise for the kingdom of God. For more information on the ministry of Resurgence and how you can take part, check out liveforsurgence.com. Amen. You know, Joseph was given a coat by his father, but he had to grow up into that coat. You know, he, you, you can have a coat, but you need the character for the coat. He was given a new coat when he was the most, second most powerful person in the world at that time. When his brothers came and they cried together, where he said, you know what, you meant for evil. God was working it for good. How many believe that God is working all things together for good? And the Joseph story is such a reminder as God gives us that dream that we have to grow up into that, that coat. We have to grow it up in its character, its development. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, making us more, more like Christ. So God is a dreamer himself, and he's a dream giver. And it's about stewarding that. And um, I remember when the Lord just first gave me a picture of like where he was calling me for my life. I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an airplane pilot. Anybody? Anybody like aviation? You like airplanes? And we lived in, in, a, in a house right by the airport near Vancouver Airport. And there was a big open field. Our front window looked out to a big open field. And I could see the North Shore Mountains like Grouse Mountain, Mount Seymour, and, and right across the field. And then the airplanes were landing. So when I was just a kid, I, like, I knew every aircraft, DC-10, 747, Airbus. Like I, just, I knew them all. And the reason why I knew them all is not because of the Internet, because this is before the Internet. Like, like I went to the library. How many remember libraries? And, and they had the uh, microfiche. How many remember microfiche, or you think I'm just speaking in tongues? They had this like big old machine you had to kind of go in and like you had to, it was weird and you had to figure out like where the books were and then you went and checked out the books in the library. But I bring home these books and I would study them because I was, I was determined. And there was a guy in our church that was a, an Air Canada pilot and I even went, did the simulator. Like I was dialed. I was like, I want to be an airplane pilot. But I was on a youth retreat, 13 years old. And it's really interesting because I was so excited because it was a ski weekend. And I, that's the two things I did. I watched airplanes, and then I had binoculars, and I would try to watch people on Grouse Mountain actually ski. I could see the gondola go up, and I, with my binoculars, I watched people ski. And I, in my room, I had 
posters of all the different gear, like ski, you know, ski boots and bindings and all the different runs like in BC, because I would pick them up at the sports store, and I would po- these were my posters. So I was into airplanes and skiing, 13 years old. That's all I was interested in, and girls. That was all I was interested in. So this youth retreat had airplanes, well, not airplanes, but it had skiing and girls, okay? Let's say that. So I was so excited to go. It was my first youth retreat, uh, and I got so sick with the flu on the Friday before we left. And I thought, I can't believe it. I can't go. I went to bed that Friday night. I woke up the next Saturday morning, and I felt amazing. And I said to my dad, I said, I actually feel good this morning. He said, well, it's, I'll drive you up. You just missed last night, right? So he drove me up, went skiing all day. That night, it was you know, the service, and the guy preaching, he said, well, I believe there's people tonight that God is calling into full-time ministry to surrender your life to Christ and full-time work, church work, missionaries and pastors. And I remember, I'm a pastor's kid, so I'm sitting at the back going, well, that's good for somebody else. That's not me. I'm going to be an airplane pilot. I was sitting way in the back. And, you know, the altar call happened. A couple people went forward, whatever. That night, I'm trying to get to sleep in my little bunk bed. And, you know, it's like a junior high section of the retreat. And so you can just imagine how much like hell that was. And so like noises and smells and it was horrible. And I'm tossing and turning in my bunk. It's late at night. I'm trying to get to sleep. And this is probably the first time I ever heard, wasn't an audible voice, but it was, it got my attention. It was like the Lord just speaking. And I remember tossing and turning and I felt like the Lord say, why didn't you go to the front tonight? He asked me a question, and I'm like, is that me? Is that the, the, bowl, the bag of cheesies I just ate? What? And I, ta- I try to get to sleep, and I'm like, God, if that's you, it's because I'm going to be an airplane pilot. <laughs> that's why I didn't go to the front, Lord. And I remember, it's really interesting, and I don't know, like God calls people different ways, doesn't he? God calls some people like Moses, the burning bush, it's got to get your attention. Maybe that was me. I'm a pastor's kid. He, God needed to get my attention. Other people, like David out in the field, just serving the Lord, and he eventually. But God called me very specifically, and he, he said, would you, would you give yourself fully to the work in the ministry? And I'm like, I tossed and turned some more. And I finally said, God, if that's you, you know what? I want to do anything you want me to do. And I'll tell you what happened was, there was like, a, like, I felt the presence of God. I can't explain it to you, except there was a rush of peace, joy, and vision. I began to see myself in the future, actually ministering to people, actually pastoring people, crowds of people. I actually just began to see pictures in my mind. And there was like this rush of joy. It was like, I think this is what God dreams for me. And I said, Lord, I want to do anything. I want to do everything you want me to do. Now, You say, that's pretty dramatic. That's never happened to me. Well, you know what? I don't think that has to happen to everybody. Like I said, a lot of people are like David. God's dream for their life is just being faithful and showing up and serving. And, you know, David was out in the field and, you know, the the brothers were all on the battle lines and he was just bringing his brothers some lunch. He was just caring for some sheep, just faithful serving the Lord. And he ended up moving into his, his calling and his dream. 
But God has something for each one of us. And it's, it's the dream. We were talking last night about Joseph and, and how that dream is given by God. And it's for you, but it's not just for you. The dream that God has for your life, is it's, it's about you, but it's not all about you. It's for others. It's, it's for a season of being a dreamer in a spiritual famine. How many know we're in a spiritual famine right now? And God, I believe, is, there's no better time for us to step up as dreamers. God giving us the dream. But we talked about last night that before we do anything or dream anything, we're already loved by God. How many are thankful for that? And it's not just about our dream that we have, but does that dream then have us? Joseph had a dream. He was, he was bound to that dream. And then that dream will be tested. There's the pit. Lesson from the pit. There's lesson from Potiphar's house. Being diligent and faithful and integral and character. And then there's the test from the prison. God's dream includes you. It's just, it's just never about you. I want to talk this morning, if you have a Bible, Psalm 23. I want to talk to you about the process of God working in us, developing this dream, his plan, his purpose for the long haul in our lives. How many know that you're going somewhere? How many know that where you are today is not your final destination? Did you know that? That where we are today is not where we're eventually going to be. Like, we're here right now, but there's, there's, a, there's a better place for us. And sometimes there's twists and turns, and there's a, there's a process. I remember being in eastern Canada a few years ago. We took a, a, a family vacation. I have four daughters, and they're all now young adults. My youngest is 18, so I have 18, 20, 22, and 24. Perfect planning every two years. It, we didn't plan it that way. It just happened that way. But we have four girls. They're all young adult age. And this was a number of years ago. And, and so we decided, let's go do a family trip, Eastern Canada, fly, you know, rent a van. And so we drove all around the, 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 the Eastern Canadian provinces, Maritimes. And on our way back, we, we flew in and out of Quebec City. And on our way back to Quebec City, we were way out in Nova Scotia. And this was kind of the last part of the trip that I didn't plan. This was the, like, I had hotels, everything lined up, like, the whole thing, except for this last couple of days, because I'm like, well, what if we want to stay here longer and whatever? So on the way back, I'm just like, okay, well, let's, you know, we're going to get back to Quebec City, but why don't, we, why don't we drive as far as we can, find a hotel tonight, and then, and then, you know, the next day we'll drive as far as Quebec City. And so, of course, I got out the good old Google and Expedia, and I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, wow, look at this rock bottom deal in this little town. And the pictures looked amazing. Do not be deceived. <laughs> so we get there, and it was like the most, it was like late at night, it was like the most horrible, horrible hotel. Like literally, the kids were like, hey, Dad, there's a pool. We walked down to the pool. There was like a film of like bubbles and hair on the pool. It was like, like stains and rust all over the place. I'm like, it's okay, guys. We're just sleeping here for the night. Keep your clothes on, but just with... So I remember, though, like, honestly, though, but I, and I opened up the, 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 I pulled the cover back to get into bed, and there were, like, three different color, like, long, like, red hair, black hair. I'm like, oh, this is horrible. This is horrible. And so I, 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 I thought to myself, I cannot sleep in this. And the coffee maker, the coffee maker had about this much coffee, and it was hard. Just say, like, it had never been cleaned, this room. This is horrible. This is like hell. And I said, guys, we're packing up. So I went downstairs. I'm phoning Expedia. I'm trying to get my money back. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll surely find another hotel. There's like a Hampton or something in town. I'm like, I don't care what it costs. So we drove around all these other hotels. Everybody was booked. The whole, the whole city was booked. There was some big conference in town. 
we went to like three or four different hotels. Now it's like one o'clock in the morning, and it's me and my family. I'm like, this is terrible. But where I was was not my final destination, how many know, okay? So we finally found this other hotel was in this town called Woodstock, and it was called the Best Value Great Canadian Inn. It was not the best value. It was not great, and I don't even know if it was Canadian. It was horrible. We got there. It was the same kind of situation. And I said at this point in the night, I was like, guys, if we can get four hours sleep, let's go. So we went in. We had like four hours sleep. We all slept with our clothes on. I literally, I, it's one of those sleeps where you lay down and you wake up and you're just like, that's it. Like in the van, everybody, in, skip breakfast. The breakfast is poisonous. Get in the van. So finally we got to Quebec City and I had booked this beautiful hotel in Quebec City. It had, you know, everything was clean. And, and, and we, when we landed in Quebec City, we got, you know, cleaned and showered and dressed. And we had a beautiful dinner and, and had a hot tub. And, the whole, and it was like, where you are now is not your final destination. God's taking you and me somewhere. And sometimes the dream has twists and turns. Sometimes the, the, the development of where God is leading us, there, there, there's, there's pit stops along the way. There's, there's different parts of that journey. There's different job situations. There's, there's hard things at work. There's, you know, there's relational things. But God is forming us. And, it, and it's God's dream. It's, it's him dreaming with us. It's him forming us in the journey. Where you are now is not your final destination. This is true in David's life. Psalm 23, a lot of times we read this psalm at funerals or whatever. I want us to go beyond funerals today. David wrote this psalm, likely most scholars believe it was when he was an older king and he was looking back on his life. He was looking back when he was a shepherd boy and how God was faithful to him. And you know that God, that God put a dream in David's heart and that was to build a temple for the Lord. And it was actually Solomon, his son, who actually ended up building that temple. You see, David was a dreamer. David had a dream in his heart to fulfill. And God was working in David and through David, taking him from shepherd to king, from shepherd to warrior to king. And so David was dreaming with God to build this temple, 1 Chronicles 28. And um, it says, come dream with us, David said. I want to build a temple for the Lord. And so as we approach this frame, though, that's David looking back, I believe, on his life, and we see this process of God developing in David character. Very similar to Joseph. How Joseph, it was a character development in the, in the process of God's dream. And so he starts off this psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. We all know this, right? The Lord is my shepherd. What does it say that next? I shall not want. I lack nothing. And so this, this is the place of God calling us into his purposes where God is, he's enough for us. He's everything. I, I, he, he's, I'm fully loved, I'm fully accepted, I'm fully forgiven. We're content, as Paul says, in all things. Have you noticed that when people are new Christians that every prayer is answered? Isn't that annoying? I remember being at Bible college with this guy, and he was one of my roommates, and he was like, literally, like he was saved out of the occult, and, and he had some like crazy, weird experience with Jesus at a, at, a, at a river, and like a dove came down and landed. Like, he had all these crazy stories. I'm like, how come God like does such amazing things in your life? And, and I remember he's like, yeah, I got to pay tuition. I need X amount of dollars by next week. But you know what? God's going to provide for me because I prayed about it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll see how it goes. He comes back. <laughs> Like, he literally comes back, like, the next day 
or two days later or whatever, and I walk into the room where he was sharing the room with me, and he's like, God answered my prayer. I went to my mailbox. There was an envelope with cash in it, just the exact amount of what I needed. Like, it was like a thousand bucks or something crazy. Like, I'm like, are like, you're crazy. He was such a hippie, too. Like, he'd take off his shirt, and he'd, like, he had, like, long hair. He looked like John the Baptist. And, you know, he, like, I'd come home so many times. We were all hanging out at Red Robin with our friends. I'd come back, and he's, like, got candles lit. He's got, like, deep, like, vineyard worship on. He's just like, oh, man, just me and Jesus. I'm like, you're crazy. But it's like, this guy, it was like the Lord was all he wanted and needed. It was like, the, like I shall not want. And I'm telling you, God seemed to answer every single prayer. It's so annoying. Why is it that when we are long-term Christians, it's like, God, can you answer that prayer? He's like, yeah, but I need to put you through the process. I'm the molder and the maker. I'm the, you're the potter. I'm the, it's just like, okay, because God loves us so much. He's forming us. But, but there is that kind of place in God where it's like, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. David knew this. David was, was, he was like, God, I'm, I, I, I'm privileged to serve your sheep, you know, just to care for some sheep. I'm privileged just to, just to know you. You know, David, he was a warrior, but he's kind of emo, too. He's, like, out there writing poems, and he's just like, I love you, God. And, like, he had this, like, poetic heart to him, right? But he was, but he's also at the same time cutting off people's foreskins and bringing them back to the king. So it's like he had, he had some sides to him, okay? It's true. Read it in your Bible. All right. Um, the, the, yeah, that's what I said. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And this is, I, believe, I think this is, where, this is where the dream starts. It's kind of like when I was up on the mountain. I'm just like, God, I want to be an airplane pilot, but Lord, I want to do whatever you want me to do. Like, really, I want you. And, and it's, not, it's not that God doesn't give us stuff that we have, because he puts desires in our heart. And I remember when I surrendered that desire, that God began to give me brand new desires. And it's not like, sometimes we're scared if we surrender what we kind of want our lives to be. Sometimes we're afraid that we're going to get like plan B and it's going to be lame. But actually what happens is when we lay down and we surrender our identity, when we surrender what we think our lives are going to be about, our dream, what happens is God begins to put desires in us that we just never, that, that just explode within us, fresh desires. And, and at this point, I've, I've never pursued being an airplane pilot. I probably could. I guess I could get my license and all that kind of stuff. But um, but I fly in a lot of airplanes, and it's kind of it's got a little bit overrated. <laughs> I like airplanes, but I'm I'm glad that the Lord put in me the new desires, the new dream. And but there's there's a part of the dream though where it's like the Lord is my shepherd; is all I want. I surrender to you, Lord. I want you, and He just begins to put that dream and that desire in us. But then it's like He makes me lie down in green pastures. It's, sounds beautiful, right? Very poetic. But how many know that sometimes God will make you lie down? It's a season of waiting. He makes me lie down. He, it's not just like he invites me to lie. Would you like to nap? No. He makes, see, I'm a dad. I have little, I remember when our kids were little. Sometimes, how many know parents, you make your kids have a nap. You make them lie down. It's like, it is nap time. I am demanding, this is an autocratic government. This is not a democracy. This is complete autocratic, this is a communist even, like I'm telling you, <laughs> lie down equally, all of you and your siblings. You're all going to get the same amount of time for the nap. This is the law, and if not, you're going to jail. Like, I mean, when you're parents, sometimes you're desperate for sleep and rest, and you just make your kids lie down. It's like in kindergarten. Remember you used to have nap time in kindergarten? Why? Because the teacher needed a coffee break. It's true. 
But sometimes God will make us lie down. And this is, this is a season of waiting. This is a season of hiddenness in our lives. This is a season where the dream is actually manifesting in, a, in another level of hiddenness. We need hiddenness. We need times to lie down. And it's a good place and it's a good space where God has us lie down. But this is what kills the entitlement in our hearts. This is a season that kills competition and entitlement in our hearts. And I remember just starting off in our first place of ministry, and we're stepping in, my wife and I, to youth ministry, and, and uh, I got to this new church in Vancouver, and there was like 30 youth, high school and junior high youth, on the, on the, on the list. And there was a bunch of young adults, maybe another 10. So I'm like, man, there's like 40, maybe 50 people on this list, and I'm the new youth pastor. So back in the day, you phoned everybody. And so I got on the phone, and I phoned everybody, and I sent everybody snail mail. I'm the new youth pastor. We got this big fall kickoff night. And I had all my friends from the Bible college that were coming. And we're going to have this big night. It's going to be food and games and music and a band. And <clears throat> it was going to be so awesome. And I told everybody, I'm the new youth pastor of the church. In three weeks, here's what's coming up. We want you there, da 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 and I'm like, this is going to be awesome. So I had like literally probably like about six or seven, maybe eight people in the band. I had a couple other volunteers from the Bible college. And I get there, and, and you know, the event's going to start. And it's kind of like how the retreat started last night. People are just kind of like, you know, oh, I'm getting there when I get there. And, uh, you know, like, and you're like, is this, is this thing going to happen? Like, there's three people here. It's like, awkward. And, uh, but it was, like, it was like really awkward. It was like, and so like, we got the band. We got, everybody's ready to go. And there's like literally nobody there at the time that the event was supposed to start, like, say, 7 o'clock. I'm like, what? It's like, okay, I guess we're, hope somebody's coming. I mean, I just, I phoned, and I gave letters to, like, 50 people. 7.15 rolls by. I see a couple cars, and I'm like, okay, there's people coming now. And this one van unloads, like, about, like, four or five homeschool kids who were, like, too young to even be in youth group. And I'm like, oh, this, this is awkward. This is really awkward. I'm like, how old are you guys? Like, 11? I'm like, oh, my goodness, okay. And so then a couple more kids came, but they were just the cousins of the homeschool kids. And I'm like, literally, it's like me and like 11 kids, and like we had more people in the band. How many know you have more people in the band than you have in the, in the audience? And I just thought, I absolutely suck. Like, I'm like the worst lead. Like, what is this God? And God began to, like, kill entitlement in me because I just thought, like, I just, and I remember, like, the first few months being a youth pastor, I'm like, I know how to do this, and I knew all the tricks, and I knew, like, when I graduated from Bible college, it was just like, come on, like, we're going to change the world. Like, Jesus, like, you got me. You got me. I'm the youth pastor, man. I got the vision, and I got the games, and, like, literally three months in, it was me and, like, like about 11, like, 8 to 11, just, like, little junior hires, and I'm just like, this is absolutely horrible, and God just began to kill the entitlement in me. And I remember I got so desperate. Guess what I did? I did what the Bible tells me to do. I just went and started praying. I'm like, God, I guess I need to pray. And you know what was so cool? Is as God began to put me in that place of hiddenness, and all my other friends were getting jobs in like Broadway church and big youth groups. And here I am slugging away in Vancouver. Nobody wants to come. And so I just started praying. And I said to a couple of the young adults, I said, listen, I said, what I'm going to do is every week at this time, I'm just going to pray because I'm just, I don't know what to do. I tried all my tricks. I, I did everything I knew how to do as a youth pastor about three months in. I, I ran out of ideas. I said, I'm just going to start praying once a week in the church at this time. And if you want, 
I'll be there. You're welcome to come. And you know, a couple leaders came with me and we started praying. It was just like two or three of us. And then that prayer meeting grew to about five or six. And then that prayer meeting grew to about seven or ten people. And we just began to meet every morning. We began to dream. We began to pray about what God wanted to do in the youth and young adults. And after that season, we began to get more leaders. And we began to see things begin to move. And, and new people came to the church. And things began to take place that, that were just honestly supernatural. And kids began to come to Christ. And our youth group began to grow. And pretty soon we had about 30, 40 people as part of this youth ministry. And we're doing retreats. And then God gave us a vision for, for Vancouver to call people together and, and, and different churches. It was kind of like resurgence. It was kind of like young adult focus. And we called it nightlife. You want some nightlife in Vancouver? Get here. It's not the club, but it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be awesome. It's going to be Holy Ghost Club. It's going to be Jesus Club. So we're like trying to trick people. You come on out to Vancouver nightlife. And... Uh, People showed up, but you know what? We saw a revival. We had upwards of about three to 400 people that were coming out from different churches. We, we saw a move of God. There was a guy now named Benny Perez that was down in, in uh, Washington State, and it was a revival at that time called the Marysville Revival. And people were driving from all over the, the Northwest to get to Marysville, and there were people being healed and saved, and it was just powerful. And so we're like, we, we gra- grabbed our group of leaders, we went down in a van, and we all got this impartation. We brought it back. We brought Pastor Benny up to Vancouver, and, and it was just like a powerful move of God that began to take place. But I'm telling you, the first number of months, and even the first year in some ways, was just hiddenness. It was the Lord like, I'm going to make you lie down. To make you lie down. Because God wants to, you know, whether it's ministry or whatever it is in your life, whatever that journey is, God wants to kill entitlement and competition in our hearts. He restores my soul. This is the process where God brings restoration and healing to our hearts as we journey in the dream. He restores my soul. David, like Joseph, was rejected by his family. He was forgotten. He was like, all the brothers are lining up for the, you know, who's going to be the king? And, and the prophet's like, well, is this everybody? It's like, well, I guess there's David, like leftover David. He was forgotten. He was rejected. And, you know, we all face different rejections, don't we, where the Lord needs to restore our soul. And for us to walk into the dreams and the purposes and the destiny of God for our lives, there is a process of the Lord restoring and healing our soulish area. I remember hearing this Christian psychologist years ago, and he came to our church, and he said something, and I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that, but as I thought about it, I think he was right. And he said, you know, everybody's angry. Everybody's angry at some level. There's anger. And God must heal that wound, that anger in us, for us to fully begin to flourish in, in the direction and the dreams and the destiny and, and, and holiness and grace and where God is leading us. And I thought, I'm not angry. And I started getting angry about the fact that I didn't think he was right. And I thought to myself, I am angry. I'm actually angry at this guy for telling me everybody's angry. Who's he to tell everybody he's angry? And I'm like, I'm angry about that. And he restores my soul. And these are layers and layers that the Holy Spirit wants to continue to heal. And I believe even this weekend and even this morning, we're going to pray that I believe that part of the Lord calling us into his dream for our lives is that continual 
process of sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ. It's that continual process of surrendering our lives again on the place where the Lord is restoring and healing. It's a soulish area of our lives, a soulish area of our lives that needs to continually be brought to the cross so that the Lord can heal. He wants to take our hearts of flesh or hearts of stone and make them hearts of flesh. He, he wants to continue to bring us to further and further freedom, but it's a bit scary at times because when we bring our woundedness and our brokenness to the Lord, it takes faith and it takes willingness and it takes, Lord, here I am again. And sometimes these areas of our soul take time. I remember being at um, a pastor's camp a number of years ago and, and uh, you know, the guy gets up and he's like, well, you know what, if you want to come pray at the front, you know, the band's coming. And it was just kind of an open invitation. And I thought, that's fine. I'm, again, I'm sitting in the back. I seem to do that a lot. So be careful if you're sitting in the back. God might have a real awesome plan for your life. I just was like hanging in the back of the pastor's camp. I'm kind of like that. I'm a little bit introverted, to be honest with you. Um, it may surprise you, but I'm a little more of an introvert by nature. And so I'm kind of hanging in the back. And then um, I felt that voice of the Lord again say, you need to go to the front and pray. I'm like, why? And the Lord's like, you need healing. And I'm like, what? What do you mean I need healing? So I'm like, okay, God. So I came to the front. I remember kneeling down at the front. I'm like, here I am, Lord. So here I am. Heal me for whatever you want to heal me of. Like I had no idea. Nothing came to my mind. But as I just waited in the presence of the Lord, after I just waited there a while, the Lord just began to show me some things. That He's like, I still want to touch this. I still want to heal this. There's some areas of your soul that are still pretty, pretty wounded here. You've kind of tucked that away for a while. There's, there's still another level of healing where you've been hurt, you've been abused, you've been, you've been rejected. You've been... There's past hurts. There's past failures. You know, and it's a beautiful time. And sometimes it, it takes a lot of courage to come again into the presence of the Lord, to say, Lord, you restore my soul. But I know that David, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside green pastures and quiet waters. You know, quiet, and there's not a lot going on there. But, but he restores my soul. This is part of the process of God healing that area of our lives to the dream. Then he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. This is about growing in holiness. So as God restores our soul, there's also to carry the dream of God, we need to grow in holiness. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. See, God's heart and his desire is that we would continue to grow in holiness. And you know, it's the little things, isn't it? It's the little foxes we got to watch out for. It's those little decisions. It's those little areas, those little cracks that could, could, could potentially move us into places that we don't want to go if they're not if they're not dealt with in our lives. It's it's even like, and, I, and this has happened to me before. Where, and, and I just I'm just trying to just be sensitive to that voice of God. But I remember leaving a grocery store one time, and you know they're putting stuff through the. The grocery person is putting everything through, beep, beep, beep. And I'm like, and I kind of like, I think they, they might have missed something. And oh, maybe not. It's their mistake anyway. And then I get out to the car and I look at the receipt and I'm like, yeah, they missed that item. 
And so it's kind of like, well, it's, you know, customer's always right. <laughs> Their mistake. Favor ain't fair. Joel Osteen. Like, I mean, like, I'm, I'm coming up with everything I can. I'm like, I got the parking spot and I got the free toothpaste. All in one day. Favor ain't fair. Go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. I mean, all these things I'm just saying to myself. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Like, I have all the stuff, right? Even theology that can back up, I got free toothpaste. And I'm ready to drive away, and the Lord's like, go back and pay for that. I'm like, wait, what? And I'm like, I gotta go back. So I go back to the, the person at the till. I'm like, yeah, by the way, here's the receipt. You missed, like, this toothpaste. I owe you whatever it is, three bucks or four bucks or whatever. And they're like, they're looking at me like, are you absolutely out of your mind? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I need to pay for this. But I'm telling you, those little, just those little, th- th- this, is, this is, he guides me along the right paths. This is about holiness for his namesake. Does it mean that we do everything perfectly all the time? No. Thank, thank God that sometimes we miss it and there's grace. And, but when the Holy Spirit is convicting and speaking, we got to pay attention because this is part of us fulfilling God's dream. See, God has a dream for us, but it's the, it's, it's the coat. You've you got to grow up into your coat. We need the character to carry the coat. We, Joseph was like, I got the coat. He didn't have the character at that point. That's why he was put in the pit. The pit. That's why God had to put him through Potiphar's house in the prison before he got to the palace because we got to grow. He, Joseph had to grow up into that coat. We have to grow up into the dreams, into the callings, into the place, the ministry, the grace that God has for us. And he, he guides me along these right paths for his namesake. And it's about stewarding well what the Lord has given us, the parable of the talents, where the landowner gave some guys, you know, five talents, two talents. These guys doubled it. Then the one guy, he gave the one talent. He's like, well, I got the talent. I got the money. I, got, I just hit it. I buried it in the ground. And the landowner comes back. He's like, these other guys doubled their investment. But you, you buried it. He's like, well, I just kind of thought like you were kind of like this. And I kind of thought you were this kind of a person. And, and basically, he... He didn't steward well what it was that the landowner gave him. And so the landowner in that parable said, well, give, give the guy with 10, the guy that doubled it, give him more. Because when we're faithful with the little, when we're faithful with the little, God will allow us to be faithful with much more. He'll give us more. And so this is, this is the process of growing into the coat, growing into the dream. Uh, he guides me along right past. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. This is about freedom from fear. Because every dream is going to freak you out. Every dream and every calling and every place that God calls you in your life where he's calling you, it's going to, it's, it, there's going to be a sense in the natural where you're like, I can't believe God's calling him in, into that. I mean, uh, you know, you guys know our church right now. We're, we're just on this journey. We bought property in the south of our city, 49.5 acres. What? And the story of that is we've been looking for land for several years. God's put a dream in our heart. But it's kind of scary because these things cost millions of dollars, and we're like, how are we going to do this? But, you know, as we stepped out in faith, 
last year we found this place of land and, and, and the guy, it was a miracle the way it came together. Let's just put it this way. It was a $6 million piece of land. And then the guy who's a really old, retired man, he's a Salvation Army guy. He got saved through the Salvation Army. And it was actually given to another um, developer. But the deal fell through at the last moment. And he said, well, he said, because it's to a ministry, I always vowed in my heart that if it was going to go to a church or a ministry, that I would give $2 million against the, the sale of the property. So he gave us $2 million. So we got the land, the $6 million piece of land, for $4 million. Somebody say favor ain't fair. I mean, that's this. Is, but, but these are freaky things. Like, let's spend $6 million. As a pastor, come on, guys, pray for your pastor here. It's like, I got to get up and say, we're going to spend $6 million on 49.5 acres of farmland. What? Why? For your ego, pastor? No. For the dream that's in God's heart that he's called me to steward. I would rather just have fun church. Like, we got full services. We got a great worship team. We're in a great city. We got a nice staff. We got a nice congregation. I'd be happy just to maintain in the flesh. But the Lord's like, no, do something scary. Do something, dream with me. Dream with me. Even though, though, I walk through these dark valleys, I will fear no evil because I got to overcome fear. And it's not just the fear about stepping into God's dream, but it's the fear, it's the spiritual warfare piece that comes against us. There's a battle. There's warfare that comes against us as we dream with God. David, he was being hunted down by Saul. As he was stepping in from shepherd to moving into warrior, moving into king, his journey was he was being hunted down. He was in the cave of Adullam, hanging out with a bunch of guys that were distressed, discontent, and in debt. So he's, he's, he's in a place now in his journey. He's walking through the dark valley. But in that place, David's like, even in this dark valley, I'm, I'm not fearing evil. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I mean, we all went through so much loss during COVID and this whole crazy time in our world. And over the two years of COVID, and none of, none of these people passed away from COVID, but I lost my mom, my dad, and my 17-year-old nephew. They all passed away. We had three three deaths, and then we had a surgery for my daughter for scoliosis, all within the two years of COVID. So the world is coming down. It's crazy. I mean, there was so much that was coming against me and, and my family and our church. I'm trying to pastor through a pandemic. I didn't take that class in Bible college. <laughs> Pastoring through a pandemic, 101. <laughs> First, everybody wear a mask. Two, support the truckers. I mean, like, what, like, what, do, you, what do you do? What do you do? How do you do this? Preach to an empty auditorium. Welcome everybody in your pajamas, three of you who are watching this morning. Would you turn with me? I can't, I can't believe I'm doing this. I mean, it absolutely was horrible, even though I walked through the darkest valleys and our family's going through pain and my daughter's going through surgery. I remember driving her up to the children's hospital and dropping her off and her, her spine they found was not just curved, but it was twisted, like completely like a corkscrew. They had to like literally, like I mean, it's graphic, but they had to literally put her on like stirrups up in the air and they spin her around. This is crazy what they do. And they literally had to like, like realign her spine and then graft it in with metal. Like, I mean, it's crazy what they can do. But there's, there's risks to those operations. I remember just going like, okay, I, like, I hope she walks again, Lord. Like, I mean, the stuff... The, the dark valleys that we go through, the, the caves of Adullam, the, the places where we're, we're in distress, we're discontent, and perhaps even places of debt. 
Even though David says, I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. And this is, you have to get through the darkest valleys to walk into the dreams that God has for you. You have to walk through these places, these dark valleys. And then he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is about maturing into the dream. Because now David is saying, Lord, it's your rod. You're the shepherd. It's your rod. It's your staff that's comforting me. It's your rod. It's your staff. And, and the staff is, or the shepherd's crook, that, that is there. It's about directing the sheep. And then the rod is the weapon, right? The rod was to like fight off the, the bears and the lions. And we got, we, we got to watch that, that we use those things properly even as we lead other people. But your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is about maturing into the dream and trusting the shepherds leading in our lives. What is it? Just the ladies. Okay, so we're landing. Everybody go like this. We're gonna la- everybody go like this. We're gonna land the plane. We're landing the plane. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Okay, this is this is deeper spiritual warfare, and this is where the body and the blood of Jesus. This is the table of the Lord. This is His blood spilt for us. This is His body broken for us. This is this is the only way to get through spiritual warfare is the cross, is the grace, is the freedom that has been provided through the cross. It is the name of Jesus. It is the power of Jesus. He overcomes all darkness. You prepare a table. So in other words, in the presence of spiritual attack, warfare, demonic attack over my life, over my dream, over my calling, in the, in the middle of all of that, Lord, you prepare a table before me. I can sit down and enjoy a meal with you, Lord. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice, I will come in, and I will sit down, and I will dine with him. I will share a meal with him. And that is written not to non-believers, but to believers. Come and just share a meal with me. Come and sit with me and dine with me. It's the table in the presence of my enemies. And it's reminding ourselves that no matter what part of the dream or the journey or God's, as we're dreaming with the Lord, that it's his body, it's his blood, it's his name, it's the name of Jesus that is the name above every name. And no matter what the enemy is bringing against us, we can find that table, we can find that, that place of security in the middle of spiritual warfare because of Jesus, because of what he has done. It's not, not ourselves. You prepare a table before me, it's the table of the Lord in the presence of my enemy. I remember being, again, new youth pastor at this church in Vancouver, and we, we ended up doing our first young adult retreat around that time. And I'd never done a young adult retreat before. And they, we had another associate pastor and he, he got on the phone and he phoned all the young adults from the church as well. And we had, I think about 30 or so young adults and, and none of them even, half of them, I should say, didn't even come to the church. Like they were just like connected to families. But this guy was from Australia and he was like, he was like a bulldog. He'd be like, hi, how you doing, mate? You coming to the retreat there, Donovan? You coming there? No, I'm not coming. Come on, yeah, I'll sponsor you. You're going to come. I'll come pick you up. I'll come by your house here. All right? 
right? You're coming to the retreat. The Lord's got something for you. And he, like, he literally went, like, like, he recruited, like, all these people were just like, I'm an atheist. Like, I just went to the, I just went to the club last night. Like, like, I, like I'm, into, I, I'm, into, I'm a Satanist. Like, I'm not coming to the retreat. Like, it's basically like that, right? But he somehow recruited all these, like, fringe young adults that were rebellious and somehow connected to the church. And so we go up to Mount Baker, and we have this, it's like a little retreat center like this, and this, this Australian guy, his name is Shine, and he gets up and he preaches his first message, and he's just preaching this up a storm. He's like, God tonight wants to, my message title is Deliverance from the Demonic. And I'm like, nice title, that's seeker sensitive. And he just like preached like a 15-minute message on how God wants to deliver people from strongholds because, I mean, he knew his audience. Like literally like 80% of that crowd were probably not even saved. And, and, and so I'm like, okay, this is how you do it. Like this guy was intense. Like, and, I, and I was just like, I was just kind of used to singing a few hill songs and having a few snacks. And he's like, no, we're going after deliverance tonight. I'm like, okay. So he had faith for deliverance. So he's he starts preaching, and then he's like, all right, we're going to do an altar call. He's like, how many people feel like you got demonic strongholds in your life? And so, you know, nobody comes to the front. And he's like, you do. <laughs> so he starts walking into the crowd. You got a, you got a stronghold in your life. Let's all pray for him. And so we're like, oh, we're praying and whatever. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit breaks out. There was such an anointing in the place. It was just like, and I'm just like fresh out of Bible calls, just going, what? And so... All of a sudden, there was this girl that was there, and her and her sister were somehow loosely connected to the church, but they were adopted to a family, but they had, they had uh, some background into, um, you know, and I, I listen, I, there's beautiful, beautiful, um, you know, First Nations, indigenous people, but they had really gotten into, that, that was their background, and they had, they had gotten into some of the, like, the deep kind of, uh, occultic side of it. And they were exploring not just with that, but with other areas of, of the occult. And so they were kind of like trying to find their roots, and they are getting into all this like really like weird stuff, and, and it was kind of leaning demonic. And so they were there, and this one girl, though, she starts uh, freaking out. Like, so the pastor's praying for her, and she starts like shaking like this, you know. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, wow. Like, I've seen this on, you know, TV, I guess, on Christian TV or whatever. And I'm like, but I, like, I've seen this in the Bible even. Like, I've read about, you know, like, people, like, freaking out. And so she starts, like, freaking out. And then she falls on the ground. And, and she's, like, I've, I've never seen this before or since. She falls on the ground. She flips over on her stomach. And she starts, slit, like, down the middle. She starts slithering like a snake down the middle and hissing. And I'm like, okay, where did I find that? Okay, what do I do? Like, uh, and she, she, the Australian is like, he's like, all right, Ben, hear that. Get over here. Pray for her. And I'm like, I'm praying for snake lady? So, so, so we go over to her, and, and then she kind of gets up on her knees like this, like she's so like a sphinx or something. I'm like, whoa, this is weird. And, and her eyes are like rolling back, and, and I'm just like, and, and there's other, like, leaders are over there, like, shouting. They're like, in the name of Jesus. And they're, like, shouting at her. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll try shouting. In the name of Jesus. And nothing's happening. And then I just thought to myself, what's the, what did, what's the Bible say? It's just use the, I'm like, I don't need to shout. And so I just begin to pray in the spirit. I just begin to 
speak in tongues. And as I'm speaking in tongues audibly, this demon looks at me and starts mocking my tongues. I'm speaking in tongues, and the demon's like, da, 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 da. like I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Like, this is like a... And so, but then I'm just like, okay, I'm praying this tongues. And I'm like, all right. And I was like, the Lord gave me wisdom. He's like, just calmly and just use my name. And I just said, in the name of Jesus, be set free. She flipped over on the ground. Some other people came over. We just began to pray for her, and she just stopped. And she just went, like, at peace and just rested. And you could just literally, it was almost like I didn't see anything in the natural. But it was like she was so tense like this, and then she just went, like a baby, just, like, instantaneously. And she got so set free. Do you know that she became one of the main worship leaders in our church in the years to come? That she wrote many worship songs. She had such a beautiful, she's still serving Jesus today, this lady and her husband. I mean, it was like a dramatic, like, it's power encounter. But you prepare a table before me, even in the presence of demonic warfare. Let's remember that there's going to be, there's going to be battles. There's going to be war. All right, I'm going to close. Uh, we need the keyboards to give you some hope again. Keyboards. And it, you're going to face battles, and you're going to face demonic opposition to your calling and to the dream that God has for your life. And you have to lean in to the table, the table, even in the presence of attack and the enemy. Anointing and overflow. You anoint my head with oil. And tonight I want to talk more about the Holy Spirit, the anointing, and how much we need the anointing to walk in the dreams that God has for us, his Holy Spirit. Anointing. You anoint my head with oil. You know, sheep, I guess they get like parasites or bugs, and so the shepherd would put oil and rub it on their head, just like give them little sheep massages. And uh, that was part of it, but the oil represents the Holy Spirit. And... Um, Psalm 133 is a picture of the anointing flowing down on the head of Aaron, on his beard, into the body. And we, we must hunger for the anointing. We must, we, we're nothing without his anointing, the anointing of God, the presence. What is the anointing? Jack Hayford said the anointing is this. I like his definition. Jack Hayford said the anointing is the power and the presence of God working out God's purposes in your life. Isn't that beautiful? What's the anointing? It's the power and the presence of God working out his purposes. We must have the anointing, the Spirit of the Lord on us. Surely goodness and love and mercy will follow me all the days of your life. This is about legacy. This is about the dream being fulfilled, that as we walk out God's dream, that there's legacy around it, that the Lord wants to fulfill something so much through your life and through my life that we're actually leaving a legacy to the next generation. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell. Because, listen, remember, where you are right now is not where you're ultimately going to be. God's leading you in a dream. God's leading you in a process. And David dreamed for a temple. He said, Lord, I dream to give you a place, a house. And it was Solomon. It's interesting because it was Solomon, his son, where the Lord spoke to him what? In a dream. He was in a dream. And the Lord spoke to him and had this conversation. This is like what's so amazing. God can have conversations with us in our dreams. And he had this conversation with Solomon. He's like, hey, I'll, I'll give you whatever you want. What do you want? And he's like, I want wisdom. I want a heart of understanding. 
And God's like, you could have asked for anything, but because you asked for a heart of understanding, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you riches. I'm going to give you everything. But it was in a dream. It was in a dream that what David dreamed was manifest. It was in a dream of his son. It was a legacy. So, so don't undervalue the process that God is leading you in right now because the dream of God for your life, it's about you, but it's not just about you. There's a legacy, and we see the, the legacy of David. It, I dream of a house, of a temple, of a dwelling place for God. Come dream with us, David said. But then God shows up in a dream, gives a dream to his son Solomon, who fulfilled the dream that was in David's heart. Isn't that beautiful? God is a dreamer, and he wants to dream with us, and he wants to lead us through the process. Just like Joseph, we got to grow up into the coat. Just like David, we got to grow up into the process. And we may see that dream happen ourselves, or we may actually see that dream happen through our legacy, whether that's our immediate family or whether that's people that we impact or influence for the kingdom. But our willingness to be obedient in the journey, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He heals me. In all that journey of walking through places of holiness and for his namesake and paths of righteousness, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and there's warfare over my dream and warfare over my life and the devil's coming against me and there's a table because it's a journey of seeing God develop that character, that heart. And we're growing up into the dream. Where you are right now is not your final destination. And so I want to pray for us this morning. What, what time is it here, by the way? We're good? What time, what time is it, just so I know? 10, 10 o'clock? Wow. Oh. Oh, 10 o'clock. I told you guys I got back from Poland recently, right? What time is it? 10 o'clock at night? All right. Um, okay, so we got some time. But I, wa I wonder if we could do it like this. The first thing I feel like the Holy Spirit highlighted is there's some people with some areas of, of soul. and just It's soul stuff. It's areas of, of healing. It's some stuff inside that the Lord wants to continue to heal. Because part of that, that release is that he's got some things for you to walk in. And it's, this is not condemnation. This is just like God just wants to, just wants to touch some things in, in your life and in your heart. Some of you, it's been fear. Some of you, it's been areas of provision. You're just like, it's hard to trust the shepherd. Others of you, it is spiritual warfare. There's, there's a sense of like, breakthrough that you just need to see happen. Whatever it may be today, but there's there's different things that today I think we should respond to in prayer. And I just wonder this morning if if we could just find our place, find ourselves in the presence of the Lord. And um, I want us to sing this song again, The Lord is in this place, because like I said last night, it feels like God seems to be, it's not that he can't be on more than one song, but feels like the Lord's kind of like, that's the song he highlighted to, to me and he's highlighting to us this morning for the, for the purposes of this session, as it were. 
he's highlighting this song. And um, the Lord is in this place. It's his presence. It's his power that he wants to touch us this morning. He wants to he wants to heal us and help us move into the purposes, the dream. He wants to take us to the next stage of that journey, that dream that he has for us. He wants to move us into that place. He wants to heal us. He wants to help us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to set us free. He wants to give us fresh vision. He wants, like David said, the Lord, he looked, this is David as an older king looking back. The Lord is my shepherd. Looking back on how God was so faithful to him. And so I wonder if we could just sing this again. The Lord is in this place. Why don't you lead us, uh, my friend? Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We hope that you were blessed. For more information about Resurgence, including how you can take part of this great movement, visit www.liveresurgence.com.